0: Welcome to the Annie monday Podcast. My name is Colin Hempel.
1: And I'm Kayla Hempel.
0: On our show, we roll the virtual dice each week and must watch a randomly selected anime title. Thanks for joining us. Hello, hello. Welcome back. We're here for two weeks in a row, which is must be a record for us.
1: <laughs> it almost didn't happen.
0: Last week, we hit the random button on Crunchyroll, and the apparition that haunted us is called Ghost Maiden of Amnesia. This started as a 10-volume manga series that lasted from 2009 to 2013, and then was later adapted into a 12-episode anime series, which premiered in 2012. We watched the first four episodes, and uh, we'll try to avoid major spoilers, but there's going to be a few in these first few. Kayla, would you like to give us a synopsis?
1: I would love to. Sequoia's private academy's campus has become a labyrinth of hallways, dead-end corridors, and abandoned classrooms. Rumors of ghosts have circulated through the student body for decades. When Taiichi meets a strange girl named Yuko in the maze of old buildings, he finds out that the stories have been true all along.
0: When we rolled this show last week, we had some fear that <laughs> we might be encountering our first real horror show that we've come across on Annie monday
1: Kayla was afraid.
0: <laughs> sure. <laughs> it turns out um, it's not so much that. There are horror elements for sure, but for the most part, this is a kind of, kind of slice of life, kind of romance, kind of a little bit of all of those.
1: Yeah, a little bit of mystery.
0: So with all of those genres kind of combined and... All the different styles and influences that we saw on the show. What do you think of the story and how these characters interacted and how it came across?
1: I think the first three episodes especially were challenging to watch to get a grasp on what the show was. Because they kind of bounce around a lot. The first episode takes place in what seems like present day and it's introducing all the characters because they all know each other. And then it gives you this hook that one of the characters is a ghost and that one of the girls in the club cannot see her. And you find that out as the episode progresses. But when we go through the following episodes, they go back in time to introduce all the different characters to each other so you can see how they all met. And so it's kind of hard to tell what they're wanting to do because on one hand, they're trying to find out Yuko's past and what happened to her. But then they're kind of chasing these other ghost stories that are taking place in the, in the school And it wasn't until we got closer to episode four that it felt like it was starting to get back to the original premise of finding out what happened to Yuko and finding out what's really going on at the school. So I felt like we just went on a few different rabbit trails for the first few episodes and we haven't gotten to the actual storyline yet.
0: Yeah, this the show is a little bit frenetic in its storytelling, and it's, I would say, easier to follow than something that's a little bit more dense, uh, especially verbally, like Bakemonogatari. But it shares some similarities with that, and I'm sure we're going to talk about that a lot. But you had mentioned kind of the way that they set up the first episode, and I wanted to touch on that a little bit more, um, because I thought this was a pretty fun hook and you had said they they kind of introduce the idea that one of the characters, main characters of the show is a ghost and one of the other characters is not able to see her so this this concept is introduced with the one character who can't see the ghost sitting in the club room alone or so she thinks and all of these weird things are happening around her like cups are moving and her Her stuff is being moved around, and she's oblivious to it, which is kind of that character's quirk, and we'll talk about her later, but they get to the point in the show where you would have a break, a commercial break, and they come back, and it's the exact same scene all over again from the very beginning, except this time you're able to see the ghost as well as the viewer. And so all of these things that were taking place that didn't quite make sense start to, Um, and you're able to piece together more what was actually happening. Uh, So I thought that was fun, and I can kind of see that leading in a direction as well, of they're going to do a lot of this kind of stuff, of giving you information but taking it away, or changing information that you think you knew. And so even early on, we're seeing a lot of that stuff. So for example, you you were talking about how a lot of the story is basically about figuring out what happened to Yuko. And in basically like the second episode, it's kind of unclear whether Yuko's whole presence is a lie and she's actually like this evil spirit or if she's this totally nice, just normal school kid.
1: I think something that we both kind of found was that we haven't really gotten into the meat and potatoes of the show yet. Especially when we got to the end of episode four, we saw the build and we were like, oh, we just happened to like end right when they're about to introduce something and start really getting into what's going on here. Um, so we haven't gotten to experience where this show is really going yet the first four episodes are a lot of you getting to know the characters and understanding a little bit of how the the rules of this universe work with the ghost and how this ghost operates in in the reality that the living share and so it's kind of hard to say where the show's gonna go, or what it's really doing, because we haven't gotten to explore that very much yet.
0: Yeah, on on our podcast, how we usually do four episodes of a show, that's not just kind of pulled out of thin air. The, there's a lot of thought behind that. Um, when I used to go to Funimation premieres while I lived in Dallas, they would always do four episodes. And... Early stages of Monday, we always did four episodes. It, it kind of practically works out because it's about the length of a movie. But also, anime series tend to have a a history of really showing their stuff within those four episodes. You're going to see a lot of the quirks that you might not appreciate. You're going to see kind of the basics of the characters in the story and... and the animation style and all of that, you're going to get a little taste of everything. And it's just enough time for them to really set up the plot that they're trying to go for, and maybe you see a little bit of that. This was a classic case of, very end of episode four, something happens and we're like, oh, come on! <laughs> really? <laughs> um, and not necessarily in a bad way, more like, all right, you... you." you'd you did the thing mm-hmm. that's going to make me want to watch episode five, mm-hmm. even if I've been kind of back and forth on this show up till now. Mm-hmm. So uh, that's kind of where we're sitting yeah. in the story, at least.
1: yeah, Yeah, that hook came in the last few seconds of episode four. But what we did get to experience in the first four episodes really were the characters themselves. We got to not only watch them encounter each other for the first time, but we got to experience a lot of their dynamics with each other and then see their different personality traits kind of play out in different scenarios.
0: So we have more or less our protagonist for the show is Teichi. Uh, Do you have any overall thoughts on him?
1: He falls into a trope that we've talked about before. Um, which is he is not remarkable, really, other than that he has this one thing, which is, for some reason that we can't really explain, he, unlike the majority of people, can see Yuko, the ghost. And other than that, he's pretty unremarkable. Like, he seems like a normal, standard student who's of average personality and yet for some reason every girl around him is in love with him and that's something we've seen before in a different genre than this one so there's no real explanation but everyone has a crush on a crush on him
0: yeah that that's for sure in my notes um i I think my notes agree with you in the fact that uh, I have this bullet-pointed list that has his name followed by a sub-point that says, The Protagonist, <laughs> and then one line down, I have another bullet point that I didn't add anything to. <laughs> so that's that's your main character. And then, yeah, like you said, the um, the whole every girl fawning over him thing.
1: Yeah, and he's... I guess, like, average kindness. But a lot of the girls just seem to think that, oh, he's so amazing, he's so talented. But, like, this trope in, in other animes that we've watched, we have no evidence of him being amazing in any way. Simply, he he exists, and that's why he's awesome.
0: Uh. Before we get to the other characters, um, that kind of brings me to a point that I want to touch on that maybe I won't have another place to put it, which is that this show is very strange in the fact that there are not other people.
1: Yes!
0: Uh, From what we've seen, there are these four characters who are part of the paranormal investigation club at this school mm-hmm. which is supposedly a functioning school but has no other people in it.
1: Yeah, there was one scene in a flashback memory where they insinuated that there was other students because they just showed them like silhouettes of them walking through a hallway. But none of these kids have gone to class none of them have even talked about their parents we don't ever see anybody else
0: yeah a lot of that is the show is taking place after school hours they go straight up to the club room and the majority of the episode is in that club room and then a lot of the ghost story kind of stuff happens much later at night which i don't know why they're still there at the school or allowed to be there but they're, you know, roaming the halls at dark. And so when you say, like, Tichi doesn't have any really defining qualities that make him this admirable person, maybe that's just because we literally don't see anything outside of this room.
1: Yeah, it it's hard to tell if this is intentional or not to give it the perspective of Yuko, who doesn't, go to classes obviously and so it's mostly just her encounters with them which would happen after school um there was even an episode where it was confusing because we didn't realize that any time had passed until they said where have you been and and Chi was like it was summer break I'm sorry that I was gone and we're like oh apparently it was summer break we didn't even know yeah
0: (laughs) All right, so the the character that we have touched on quite a bit, which is our ghost is Yuko. And you kind of talked about how there are a lot of legends about Yuko, and we're kind of just now piecing together what's true, what's not true. And like one thing we figure out about her is that her actual literal bones are still buried under the school.
1: Yeah, that was a fun discovery.
0: And they're not even like, you know, in a grave or something. They're just kind of hanging out in a basement. Mm -hmm. And you're thinking, how have these survived here for the past 40 years without someone like, oh, there's a dead person down here. Should maybe open an investigation about this or at least remove them.
1: Their only explanation has been that this school has this weird architecture to it and that they keep building new buildings. And so there's been random buildings that have just gone like out of commission because they built a new building. And so there's a several like hallways that lead nowhere because, you know, they built a another building like straight through that area or complete buildings that have just been abandoned. And this building that her body, her bones are in has been abandoned. So that's the only explanation we're really given is that they just built more school somewhere else and they just left, left her and that, and that building to quite literally rot.
0: You had also mentioned how we're starting to understand the rules of how this interaction works. And it's still a little bit unclear to me. um, But you had said Teichi has the ability to see Yuko. And he's not the only one. Um, the other character we'll, we'll get to soon is actually related to Yuko. And that's part of the reason that she's able to, to see this character. But something they talk about is that it's mostly based on perception. So if you have a perception of this ghost... Then you're able to understand it, and you're able to see her. Uh, but the perception also affects the way that you see her.
1: I found this really interesting because I think a lot of times when we encounter ghost stories, you you just see the ghost as whatever it's supposed to look like, whether friendly or not. And it's interesting that they've played with this psychological component that if you expect to see Yuko as this kind, forgotten girl, that's how you'll see her, which is how she describes that she sees herself. But if you expect to see this evil, dark, menacing spirit, that's what you'll see. And it can even change. So if your expectation and perception of Yuko changes, how you see her will change. And that's something that they show us is that, that the characters would have a shift in perception on who she is or who she might be. And they suddenly see her differently. And then they make a conscious decision to view her the way that they want to view her. And I... I found that very interesting because that's not something that gets talked about a lot is what happens when, you know, you get scared, like you build up something in your mind to be worse than what the the reality is. But you can make it so real because of your expectation of what you think you're going to see.
0: Yeah. And, and these are just the characters who are able to see her. And so the ones who who don't see her even if they have some awareness that there is something here they're not able to see her because something about their personality and their perception of what it means to to have a ghost present doesn't allow them to see that so uh that's part of the the unclear part is is what makes that uh a blocker for for certain people as a character in in the way that, like, she sees herself and that Tichi sees her, uh, what do you think of Yuko?
1: I, I find her very interesting because she's how I imagine a, a lost, forgotten teenager to be. So something that keeps coming up, and especially in the last episode, is she talks about how lonely she is because so many people can't see her. And something she's really craving is touch because she can actually be touched. And that comes out in a lot of affection towards Tiichi. But with the other character that can see her, she also tries to like reach out and touch that character and to have some sort of physical contact with her. And that character constantly rejects Yuko. And you can see how much it bothers her. I'm really impressed with the way that they built out this fully fleshed character, that she's not just like a vengeful spirit trying to figure out what happened to her. She actually doesn't seem to really care what happened to her. She's just trying to experience life again. And that's that's her whole drive is she's just trying to feel normal, like feel like one of the living because she's finally has some access to it. And I think that's different than a lot of ghost stories that I've seen in the past.
0: Yeah, I think so as well. In fact, one of the normal things that she does to try to be a to try to gain that sense of normalcy back is that she becomes the club president of this paranormal investigation club <laughs> which um for the majority of the show it's pretty lighthearted. it's pretty playful and there's just kind of like this false sense of dread behind everything which is a lot driven by the character who can't see her because she's just freaking out about <laughs> this ghost that she can't see yeah Um, but Yuko is the club president and she never shows up to the meetings because she's invisible. Um, so when TG is trying to explain to the other character who can't see her, why she's never there, uh, he always pretends to get a phone call (laughs) and then they just have a conversation back and forth on the couch Uh, And we're like, oh, you have a cold today. Sorry to hear that.
1: (laughs) Yeah, so I think we should talk about this character. um, Because I think they do a lot of fun things with her, even though she's pretty one note in how she is. So her name is Momoe. And like we've been talking about, she cannot see Yuko. And she gets caught up in these ghost stories because um she, she was like playing a game like a like a ghost game with some of her classmates and got freaked out and she ends up becoming smitten with Taiichi because he solves it for her which was basically just being like, oh, we found your, your doll, you're not actually haunted, okay, bye. But she's really there for comic relief more than anything, but they do it in a way that is kind of endearing. And, and you had mentioned before that she's the character that they use to flip that perception of what is actually going on with the ghost. From somebody who can't see it and then the people that can.
0: Yeah, the, this character is like obsessive about research and she seems to be the only member of the club who actually like does any paranormal investigation. <laughs> the others are just kind of like hanging out with Yuko and like figuring her out as a as a character and as a, a person. Um, and then... Momoe is, like, trying to figure all of this stuff out about the school and its history and these legends without the context of Yuko, who is right there, and she could, like, ask her about it. mm mm-hmm. um, But she's not in on, on the secret. hmm And as a, like, comic relief character, this usually plays out in her being completely freaked out by everything um, <laughs> that is nothing. Mm-hmm. You know, the, the like, stereotypical tree branch scratching at the window kind of <laughs> stuff. Like, that's the stuff that terrifies her. But when Yuko is, like, walking around the room holding her stuff and, and levitating things and, and all of that, uh, she's completely oblivious to it.
1: <laughs> and they kind of poke fun at this at one point when we're first introduced to... All these characters, and Yuko is messing with her and actually flips her hair up to look like an ahoge, which she doesn't normally have, but it's our first indication of, like, oh, this is what this character is going to be like. And it's funny because she's only ditzy in the fact that she doesn't have the perception to know that Yuko is actually a ghost who is present that's doing all of these things so it's only by lack of perception that she's ditzy and and they do poke fun of that and i think it works in a way that makes the character endearing when she could potentially be annoying
0: yeah and i think they do a pretty good job with that balance
1: so the fourth member of the Paranormal Investigation Club, is Kyrie. And she is the other member that can actually see Yuko. And we find out later it's because she has a familial connection to Yuko in that she is her... Yuko is her great aunt, her grandmother's sister. Right.
0: Yeah, and and I think as a result between hearing all the legends, just being part of the school, and then having this family connection with Yuko uh, that triggered her perception of being able to, to see and witness this character. But her intention going in was, this is evil. This is a malevolent spirit, and everything that I'm going to encounter when I start digging into this is going to be Against me, which is how we get introduced to the idea that Yuko has this alternate appearance that you can see only if you perceive her to be that way.
1: And this results with her being very aloof from Yuko, even, even later when she finds out that that was just her perception and that her perception was actually wrong she still keeps her distance from Yuko, which is sort of explained by she kinda it seems like she kinda has feelings for Taichi, but she she seems to try to have a very aloof personality most of the time. But then you find out she's actually a big scaredy cat.
0: Yeah. And not quite in the same way that Momoe is. Um, she tends to be like really gung-ho about these investigations as well but just because she has such a close connection to them Um, but once she actually gets into the fray uh, she ends up like curled in a ball in a corner
1: before we get into our conversation about production we're gonna take a quick break
0: And welcome back. Kayla, would you like to start off our discussion on the production qualities of this particular anime series?
1: Yes, I would. One thing I noticed in particular about the character designs of this show is that they're mostly really boring, standard. There's nothing that stands out about the characters, None of them have unique hairstyles or even unique hair colors. Two of the characters are blonde, which is more uncommon than unusual. But there's nothing that really stands out about the kids. Even the ghost herself, she is not particularly interesting looking. She looks like a normal student. But something that I love that they did is... We talked about this earlier is when people's perspectives change about Yuko, her appearance changes. And they did some really cool design with that. Um, a lot of it is leaving things up to the imagination. So you don't get to see fine details of the monster that people perceive her to be and i think that works for the show something i see a lot in movies or shows that are supposed to have this really like built up kind of monster or something as soon as they show it it's never is never as scary or as intimidating as what you built up in your head
0: yeah signs
1: <laughs> that is exactly what i was thinking of but I think they did a really good job of putting something there so that you understood that there was a change, but they didn't try to animate it so much that they just handed it to you. They left a lot to the imagination, and I think that really worked in their favor,
0: yeah, you would see, like, glimpses of her eyes, and they were, like, bloodshot or kind of a glowing, creepy red, or you'd see the edge of her hand just barely touching Tichi and it was, like, you know, corrupted and, and kind of decaying. Uh, but aside from that, you would see very little.
1: Yeah, and I think all of that played really well, especially in the timing of everything, when... The characters aren't aware if a certain ghost story is about Yugo or not. You'll see a lot of like quick movements in the shadows that you're like, Oh, is that another ghost? Is it Yugo? What's going on? And I think they play that suspense really well. And a lot of that has to do with the way that the backgrounds are drawn, I think. Um, So something we've talked about a lot is that they don't busy up their backgrounds with other students. So everything is about these decrepit labyrinth of hallways and buildings that they go to after their classes are done. And it's usually in the afternoon. So the sun is you know, casting these long shadows, and that's something that they use a lot in the different episodes. Is they play with the shadows that are in the sceneries already, and I really enjoyed how much they use that to their benefit.
0: Yeah, earlier I had briefly mentioned the Monogatari series, which is, of course, another show that we've watched for Annie Monday and I think it'd be pretty easy to draw some comparisons there in terms of art style and the sorts of things that they did with camera work especially considering how little there is in scenes with it typically just being a classroom a character or two and you know some very basic stuff around them uh, they would do a lot of interesting things with the framing and with coloration and things like that. So you'd get things like random sideways or upside down shots. You would get collapsing edges of the frames as, you know, the, your perspective shrunk in and you got like a 4x3 image instead of the full widescreen or something like that. Uh, there, were, there were occasional times where you'd see words popping in and out quickly, which is something that we dealt with a lot uh, in, in that other show. Uh, rapid changes from bold, saturated colors to to almost a monochromatic sort of look um, and and things like that. I don't think it has quite the nuance that Monogatari had, but obviously that's something that that show strives for, and I think this one's only kind of half doing that, just as a result of it not having a whole lot else going on.
1: So something you mentioned was a lot about the coloring, which is... I think you're right. If we're comparing it to something like Baka Monogatari, which is really known for its art form, it's kind of unfair. And so I'm going to compare it to a lot of other shows that we've watched. And I think they did a really good job of utilizing color. Um, so I, I have two examples um, that I really loved. Is There's this one scene where they're staying the night at the school and Yuko is reading a guard's journal and she reads something that's kind of shocking and it pans out from her reading it and the shadows form a kanji of this shocking thing that she reads and it was this really cool use of the room and the lighting in that room to really emphasize just how dramatic this was for her. And another scene is, I don't remember if it's the same episode or not, but Yuko and Taichi are swimming in the pool. And I guess it's nighttime. And they're having this conversation and it's actually a big character development. You're learning a lot about Yuko and why she's, struggles so much her desire to be noticed by people to be recognized and to feel alive and the night sky is this really vibrant vibrant color it it goes from this these kind of vibrant blues and purples and then it shifts back down to her and she shares some more stuff and then as you pan back up to the night sky it shifts to these greens and they're They're really bold, and I just thought it was really interesting how much they used those colors to depict this thing that she's sharing, these emotions that she's sharing. And it's just that attention to detail that I don't think we get in a lot of shows, and I think this show did a pretty good job of of portraying that.
0: One thing that they also did a few times is that whenever Momoe was sharing a a legend that she had learned about, uh, about the school or about their town, um, they would often present those scenes in sort of a traditional Japanese painting style. Uh, I'm not familiar with a lot of Japanese art, so I don't know if there's a specific, like, school of art or like tradition or period that they were going for but it's it's recognizable it's the kind of thing that you would look at and you've seen other paintings like that Mm -hmm. and they they were pretty simple they did it in like sort of a parallax thing where there were a few layers and they would just uh, create motion with those different layers Uh, but i thought those were nice ways to to show that and to break up the art style as well
1: yeah, that's something they that did a lot in the show was try out different art styles. But the thing that I liked is that they did it consistently. So like you were saying, when when she's sharing these legends, they have like a go-to art style. And then there's different art styles for different characters or different beats that are happening. So it does feel fluid and intentional rather than haphazard.
0: We kind of talked about their character designs, but something I did want to touch on is that, while well, it's true what you said, that like their features are pretty standard, there's there's nothing really unusual about the characters, there is something that I can't quite put my finger on about just the way that they're drawn in general that's a little off-putting, and I think it's intentional. Uh, even... Like the first shots, which were all momoe, she just looks like just a little bit creepy. (laughs) Not like scary. And they still have kind of like cute anime styles to them. But there's just something a little bit off about the features or about the proportions. And um, I thought that was interesting as well. Uh, Some people might not see it that way, but when, when I first was exposed to the character designs, that was my initial impression.
1: I totally know what you're talking about. I have not been able to put my finger on it either. I feel like it has something to do with their eyes, but it's not like an obvious thing like, oh, the eyes are too big or they're too small or they're something like that. But there is something about their faces that just seem a little unsettling
0: in terms of music what i would say is that for the most part there there isn't anything that's like a memorable set piece or a really defined like theme that you can go to uh, for the score at least um and there were occasional parts where you would get the kind of playful flirtatious side of yuko where the music was just like cheesy and (laughs) you know it was it was a those were scenes where it was very clearly anime, whereas the rest of the show was kind of this weird horror thing. Mm-hmm. Um, and so those scenes were were meant to be different and a little bit cheesy. Uh, but the rest were, were subtle in a way that I think complemented the scenes pretty well. Um, as well, the, the intro and outro music were pretty interesting.
1: I found the intro and outro music to fit the genre really well, which is something I think we don't get to talk about a whole lot with shows. A lot of times they just have a generic song that they do. But both the intro and outro have this very eerie, dramatic kind of feel to them. And the animation that goes with them really ties into that. They have these really long, dramatic shots. They really play with the camera angles. And it's something that... I think really fits the tone of the show and sets it up really well.
0: As long as we're talking about the music and we kind of jump into our overall thoughts to wrap up our discussion. One thing that I do want to bring up is how buck wild the use of English in this show is.
1: (laughs) I knew you were going to bring this up.
0: Yeah. So you can start with the title, of course. Um, You know, it's one of those things. I was talking to Kayla like, I wonder if it's a job. It's a it's an entire job description for you are the person that says they don't really say that in English. <laughs> and like that's your job as a consultant is to say, well, I know that you know what these English words mean, but we don't really use them that way. Mm-hmm. And that's something we see a lot in this show. Uh, but the, the most notable example is the intro song, mm-hmm. which I would like to read the translated version of one of these uh, verses. Yes, please. Okay. So parts of this are translated from Japanese, so you can take that for what it's worth. Maybe it just translates weird. But part of this is also in English. <laughs> burn. Myself. Not burn myself. Burn myself it doesn't come across without the commas no burning and trying to hug is not a crime is it <laughs> exercise the dark with fire choir jail
1: <laughs> yeah uh when they're singing this all of the majority of that is all in japanese until they sing choir jail And it still doesn't make sense even in the English.
0: So, yeah, those are always fun. I, you know, obviously I don't fault them for it, but it's funny once it gets over here. (laughs) Something else that comes up frequently on our podcast that almost goes without saying is that there's always weird sex stuff. Uh, So four episodes in, we had a bathing suit episode. I mean, I guess they, like, did mention that it was summer, but, you know, it went places that it had no reason to go.
1: It was, like, their version of a beach episode.
0: Yeah, but it's, like, a beach would have been too populated. (laughs) And they can't have actual people in this show, so...
1: Right. Yeah, that's something I wanted to talk about. It seemed like, with the exception of the first episode, the first few minutes of every episode has some sort of weird fan service thing that has nothing to do with the rest of the plot for the rest of the episode. And I was telling Colin, I think moving forward, we probably could have just skipped the first part of the episode and just gone through the intro music, and then started the episode, and I probably would have been much happier. And it's not subtle. We've talked about some shows just kind of hinting at it, but it's pretty overt, Um, the things that they're saying or doing or whatever. And there are little things throughout the show, but it, it seems strange that they have this pattern of... The very first thing that you see in the episode is this weird, overtly sexual encounter. And then you watch the intro video, and then you get into the episode, and the rest of the episode is not like that at all. And so it was just kind of off-putting, because if that's what you're going to encounter, is you're either gonna enjoy it and then be disappointed by the rest of the episode or you're not gonna want to watch the rest of it because you th- you think that's setting the tone and it just felt really out of place and was not my favorite <laughs>
0: yeah and that's not a precedent they set in the first episode either i think there was maybe like one scene at towards the end but for the most part the first episode was all that scene with Momoa. hmm trying to figure out that there was a ghost in the room with her. hmm Um, and I think that was a great way to set the show up, and every episode after that felt really out of place.
1: Yeah, definitely.
0: If I had to say something about the tone of the show overall, um, we talked about how it kind of does this genre blend between slice of life and horror and, like, ghost stories and legends and, and stuff like that. Um... And I think generally it it's a combination that they pulled off fairly well. They were able to keep this mystery and this this interest in, in the history of the school and in Yuko's past. And they were able to make that part interesting while still making the characters enduring. And you actually cared about them discovering this alongside you.
1: Uh, yeah, I would agree with that. I think they give you just enough of these rumors of these legends that you think maybe this is going to be a thing that's going to reveal something about Yuko. And sometimes it does, and sometimes it doesn't. And I love that. I love that not every ghost story in the school actually has some little nugget that has to do with Yuko. Like Sometimes it has nothing to do with her. And it's just something that people scared themselves with. But it's balanced with not doing the Scooby-Doo thing where all of it's just fake. Um, there are times when you find out that, oh, this was Yuko, or this does have something to do with her past, and, and you get a little bit closer to, to the mystery. And I think they balanced that really well and made it where you're very interested without it turning into a legend of the week, you know, sort of scripted, patterned kind of show.
0: When we talked about characters, you had kind of touched on Yuko and how interesting of a character she is and and how they've at least set her up to be. And I think that's one of my overall takeaways, too, is that um, the characters are pretty interesting overall. But specifically, one interaction that I think is pretty cool is yuko's overdependence on Teichi. and you had talked about how like she craves physical touch because she's she has been without that for 40 plus years now and she goes through her life every day being the same person the same age knowing the same amount about herself and her past and the vast majority of people can't see her at all or interact with her, and the few who do generally encounter her as this evil, horrible thing. And so when this person comes along who is not that, and can see her the way that she sees herself, um, she becomes immediately dependent on that person, and because he's completely changed the way she views herself, and the way that she lives her life. And even when the other character comes in who can see her normally kind of rejects her still and is distant from her. Um, That could be set up for something pretty interesting in character storytelling. Um, And hopefully it stays that way. But it's hard to say at this point what they're going to do with that.
1: Yeah, I would agree. I'm hoping that The show would continue to go and explore those things rather than lean into the fan service that is present in some of the episodes. Um, I do know the show has a romantic element to it, so I know it could start leaning more into the romantic side rather than the mystery side. It's hard to see now where the show would go, and I'm hoping that it would find a good balance.
0: Aside from knowing about, like, the the romantic elements that we are doomed to see at some <laughs> point, um, there's also some weird stuff about the whole logic of the the show that kind of pulls me out of that a little bit. We talked a little bit about how, like, Momoe can't see the ghost even though she is 100% aware that she's there. They've told—they've more or less told her that the ghost is here. Um, but she can't see it, and we can't really figure out why that is. Furthermore, like, Yuko doesn't seem to be tethered to the school. She is shown walking with them other places, and yet there, there was that scene where we found out that he was gone for the entire summer and didn't come to visit her at all, and she didn't, like, go with them to hang out somewhere, um... It's just kind of confusing what characters are actually able to do around Yuko and how they're able to see her and interact with her. And I'm not really sure that they've leaned into Tiichi and his relationship with Yuko so much as um, her relationship with everyone else that she encounters.
1: Yeah, I think what you're saying about the rules not being very clear because there are times when... She is, like, talking about how she was trying to get into this building because it had a heater and it was cold in the winter, insinuating that she would get cold. But then at another time, she... Fan service. She was naked and T. She was like, oh, can you, like, please put on clothes and she was like oh i'm sorry like i forget that people can like see me implying that she would be naked a good chunk of the time and so it's hard to tell like if if the elements actually do affect her because she can swim like actually swim in a swimming pool she doesn't like float above it like she interacts with the water it it's just it seems strange what she can physically come into contact with and and what actually affects her and what doesn't
0: Yeah, that that's all true including like they they tend to just throw rules in whenever they feel like it. So there's like a scene where Teichi is on a cot and he's like, "Well, are you going to go to sleep?" and she's like, "No, ghosts don't need to sleep." And you're like, "Okay." So there's a new rule that I have to know. And I would not be surprised if that rule is thrown out the window, you know, three episodes from now.
1: Yeah. It's not that we've seen a lot of inconsistencies when it comes to the rules. Just seems like they're deciding on the fly what the rules are.
0: It seems arbitrary.
1: Yeah. Yeah. And it sort of seems like the rules don't matter a whole ton.
0: So with all of that said... Kayla, would you watch more of this show?
1: I would. I would watch at least a couple more episodes because we got that hook right at the end of episode four. They they just, they got me. However, I am worried about where it's going to go with the romance and the degree of fan service that's already there. If it stays at the same level, I'd be totally fine. You know, I could either skip the first, like, minute Of the episode, or just, you know, accept that it's just part of an overall, like, decent show. If it starts to become more and more prevalent, I think I would quickly lose interest in the show. So I'm willing to give it a, a couple more episodes and see if they continue to use what they have because I do think it's very interesting. And and I'll make another decision then.
0: Yeah, I'm I'm going to say maybe for a lot of the same reasons. I'm super not interested in a ghost love square. I just don't care. <laughs> um, I would rather this show be focused on Yuko's history. And I think that could be interesting. I also am worried, though, that that is is a pretty shallow pool to to draw from. Because if you, again, going back to the Bakamono Guitari comparison, that show is a, a series of stories, and the main character will meet a different character, learn about them, and then you'll have a string of episodes about that thing. And it's usually this big, unusual mystery that you're unpacking through all of that. And so far, this show seems to be just about building lore about the school. And it's already so ridiculous that this school has this much weird history to it that I think if they keep digging in there and saying, well, also, this ghost story happened, and also, there's this crazy, like, monument or demon thing or, like, voodoo doll or whatever you know, artifact they want to find that is attached to Yuko or attached to the school. I think that's going to get old and boring fast.
1: All right. Well, I think that wraps us up for this week. If you want to learn more about our show, you can visit our website at anamonday.moe. That's anamonday.moe. You can send us questions and comments to podcast at anamonday.moe. And you can find us on Facebook and Twitter. Our username is Cast, and you can find links for that on our website.
0: Thank you so much to Crunchyroll for all of the anime that you provide and for the Random Button, which produces those wonderful and wonderfully terrible results. If you want to follow along with us each week, we'll have a link to the current title on our website and social media so that you can watch what we're watching. Finally, thanks to C2A for providing the intro and outro music for our show, which you can find on his Bandcamp under the title Senpai EP1 and Senpai EP2, The Noticing.
1: (laughs) And in case you are just joining us, we are going to be at Anime CTX over Memorial Day weekend.
0: It's coming up real soon.
1: So I believe there's still tickets available that you guys can get uh, as soon as we know what day and time that we're speaking we'll be sure to uh let you guys know so that you can come say hi and uh and we can you can come see the show
0: yeah it's gonna be a lot of fun yeah they've already announced a few of the guests and uh i think they'll be putting the calendar together pretty soon so we should be able to figure out when we'll be on
1: yeah it's gonna be a lot of fun colin are you ready to roll I think so. Let's do this.
0: All right. Random button in three, two, one. The anime for this week is Hamatora.
1: Okay. And the first episode is called File 1, Egg of Columbus.
0: I think there's some detective stuff in this.
1: Yeah, it would probably seem so. Oh, yep. Definitely. It's a cop show. (laughs) great (laughs) yeah it's a cop show cool all right
0: well that'll be a first for any Monday
1: yay police dramas
0: all right I think that's gonna do it for us this week thank you all for joining us
1: we'll see you all next time bye bye Dusk Maiden of Amnesia. <laughs> I know I keep saying Ghost Maiden too, but it is Dusk. Dusk Maiden of Amnesia.
0: Dusk Maiden of Amnesia.
1: Amnesia.
0: Just in case I said it wrong anytime.
1: I like how much they uh, emph- emphasize amnesia in the title and then definitely brush over come it. Up. I mean, other than the fact that she doesn't know what happened to her, but she doesn't care. Yeah.
0: She has not cared for 40 years.
1: No, but why would she? She's like, that's not going to bring back anything that I want.
0: No, but if it's like any other ghost thing,
1: she needs
0: to know that so that she she can can be free.